I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We've been looking at the last several weeks the idea and the theme of growing up in Christ. And we talked about the different stages that we go through as Christians. We talked about what it means to be born again. We talked about what it means to be baptized and why be baptized. We talked about what a church is and why should we join the church and what's a church member do, what's a church supposed to do. And this, this morning I want to wrap this up by just asking the question, are you growing up in Christ? And, and I do that by asking you this, and don't answer it out loud, but answer it in your heart. Do you know and love Jesus Christ more today than you did last year? Or last month. Because there's a lot of people sitting in pews this morning all across our world who are saved, but they're not growing. Their relationship with Jesus isn't growing and maturing. And I didn't have you turn to this verse, but the verse that we use to start this series is Ephesians 4.13. And Paul says there, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of our Son, Jesus, uh, Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That word perfect there does not mean sinless, but it means mature. Our goal, our hope, our aim as Christians is to grow up and to be like Jesus. The purpose of my ministry is to try to bring people to Jesus and try to help make them more like Jesus. The purpose of our church ultimately is to go leave this place and go into our world and bring people to Jesus, point people to Jesus, and grow up and have our words sound like Jesus, and our actions look like Jesus, and our lifestyle be like Jesus. And there are three stages of spiritual growth that the Bible talks about, and they're summarized in our text this morning, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 12 to 14. 1 John 2, beginning at verse 12. John says there, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. John here talks about three different groups of people, three different stages of Christian growth, if we could put it that way. He talks about little children, he talks about young men, and he talks about fathers. And when we look at little children spiritually, little children are those who have had their sins forgiven. They understand they've been forgiven, they, they know the Father, they have head knowledge of who the Father is, they, they know Jesus, they say, man, I've been forgiven, I'm excited. You remember how it was when you became a Christian, you got saved, and boy, you were on fire. You were, just anybody that would listen, you would want to tell them, 
I've changed. I'm different. I've come to know the Lord. That's the idea of little children. When you look at little children, if we, Jesus says we must be like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. What are some characteristics of little children? And, and some of y'all have the little children, and so you're seeing that in a, in a firsthand way. But what are the characteristics of little children? It's the fact they're full of curiosity. They're always wanting to learn. What's a little child's favorite word? Why? Why this? Why that? How does this work? What does this do? They have a sense of wonder. I love being around little children when they see something for the first time and their eyes light up and they smile real big and it's like how cool that is. That is a characteristic of a child. Children live by their emotions. When they're hungry, they let you know. When they're thirsty, they let you know. If they need to be changed, they let you know. If they need something, they let you know. And if you don't answer, they let you know louder, right? But little children are full of curiosity. Christian children, spiritual children, they should be full of wonder and curiosity and learning. And we just see God everywhere when we become as children with little children. But you know what? Little children also can be selfish and mean. Uh, but Leandra was an only child, and my brother's son, Josh, at the time was an only child, so we thought it would be a good idea to get Josh and Leandra together so they could play with each other. And before that escapade was over with, Josh had slapped Leandra, and Leandra had bitten him. <laughs> and uh, we, we do that as kids sometimes, don't we? Uh, I remember a problem that Leandra had on the school bus with the child that was bullying her, and I said, Leander, do you want me to talk to the school bus driver? And she said, no, Dad. If I, she said, I'll take care of it. She said, I'm afraid if you take care of it, he won't stop. So the little boy, uh, I guess, bullied Leander, and the little boy had brought some tadpoles to school. And she, he had them on the bus. He had a Tupperware bowl full of tadpoles and tadpole water, and Leander took that tadpole water and dumped them on the boy's head. And... Uh, Later that afternoon, uh, the, the mother called uh, Ann and said, did you know your daughter poured tadpole water on my son? And Ann said, did you know your son's been bullying my daughter at school for the last several weeks on the school bus? And that lady said, no, he didn't tell me that part. And uh, so that, that situation got taken care of. But sometimes children can be mean. Sometimes children can be selfish. Sometimes little children say hateful, uh, hateful things. And uh, I remember when we were in, I don't remember, my grandparents told this story of when we were in Gatlinburg. We were walking down through the town and all of a sudden I hollered out real loud. I said, Pa, here's another one of those jip joints. And uh, that kind of embarrassed them a little. We, we children, we, we do that. We're impulsive. Whatever's on our mind, that's what, that's what we say. And so children can be that way. We have to teach little children to become mature, right? We have to teach little children to grow up. Sometimes children grow up physically, but they don't grow up physically or emotionally and, uh, and mentally. The prison's full of people that have never grown up mentally. They've grown up physically, but they haven't learned to be an adult because quite often they haven't been taught. That's not something that comes natural to us. Growing up biologically comes natural, but growing up mentally and physically and being a productive adult, we have to be taught to be that way. The same is true with baby Christians. 
There are Christians that have been Christians for 45 years and they're still baby Christians. Sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're full of wonder, and sometimes they're mean, and sometimes they're hateful, and those are spiritually immature Christians. But a second group of uh, another, the next stage in our spiritual growth is the idea of young men. In verses 13 and 14, John says here, these young men, they've had some spiritual victories. They've learned to overcome the, the wicked one. Uh, they're strengthened by the word of God. Our young men, our young women in the church, they are our warriors. They are our workers. They're the ones that do a lot of the physical things that need doing in the church. Those of you who are somewhat older, are there things that you just don't have the strength and energy to do back when you were young? <coughs> uh, yesterday evening, I lost my cell phone. I couldn't find it, and I thought that I had dropped it up underneath the double recliner where uh, Marie and I sat. So I got down on my hands and knees, and I was looking around to try to find it. And I'm here to tell you, maybe you all can relate, it's not so much the getting down as it is the getting up. Uh, when you get down, you've got to make a plan to how you're going to get up. So I'm trying to get up, and Miss Cozy Marie's mom said, Lord, Andy, Marie can get down on her hands and knees better than you can. And uh, I said, you got that right. That's something she But we get older, we don't have that energy, right? Our churches need the, the strength and the ability of young people. But the third group that we're talked about and John talks about here are fathers, verses 13 and 14. They have known the father. John says that little children have known the father. He also says fathers have known the father. But in Greek, those are two different words. Little children have known the Father in such a way that we have a head knowledge of who God is. If you ask a baby Christian who is God, they can tell you that he's the creator, he, he's this, he's that. The fathers know God through experience. Those of you that have been married for a little while, do you know your wife better now than you knew her when you first married her? Now, you knew her when you first got married, but if you've been married for 20 years, now you know her, right? You've come to know her through experience. You can finish her sentences. You know what she's thinking. Uh, mature Christians, they have lived some life with God. They've gone through some adversity. They've gone through some hard times, and they have grown up. They've become wise. They've become reproducers. Listen to me here. Y'all, there's more to being fathers than being biologically ready. Uh, on the physical end of this, there are a lot of fathers that are biological fathers, but when it comes to being fathers of their children, they are not. Amen? When Paul, or when John, rather, uses the word father here in 1 John 2, he's talking about mature fathers, wise fathers, fathers that are reproducing Jesus, what they have known of the Father, what they have learned in Jesus, they are putting them into their offspring. They are putting them into others. And can I say this this morning? Just as the world needs little children, just like the world needs young men, young women, the world needs fathers and mothers to sustain itself. What happens to our world if we don't have any little children? 
In a generation, that world's gone, right? In a generation, human beings become extinct. We are one generation from, the human, human beings are one generation away from becoming extinct. We need little children. We need young men and women that are strong and vibrant. We also need fathers and mothers who have wisdom and have learned. The same is true in a church. Y'all, if we don't have little children in the church, the church is going to die. And I not only mean that physically little children, but a healthy church, we should see people being saved in our church, right? We should see lost folks coming to Jesus. Our church, to be a fully healthy church, we need to have a mixture of young baby Christians and young men and women and fathers and mothers. We need all of them to be a healthy church. Everybody with me with that? If, we're not, if we don't see lost people coming in, if the only church growth that we have is members that move to Fairview that are already Christians, at some point in time, this church is going to die if we don't have new Christians being saved. Our goal as Christians is to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach them, reproduce them, be growing, be reaching our neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. Well, how do we grow up in Christ? What, how do we do it? We're saying we need to do it. How do we become mature Christians? First of all, we have to be born. Now, you might look at me and say, well, duh. But if we haven't been born again, it's impossible to mature as a Christian. We can't begin to grow until we have life. We first have to be born again. I've got a question for you. You know what would happen? A lot of y'all and a lot of us have dead sticks in our yard now, right? That have, ha that have fallen down over the winter, and we go pick those dead sticks up. Now, what if you took one of those dead sticks and you cut a hole in the ground and you planted that dead stick and you softened the dirt around it, you poured fertilizer on it and you poured water on it and you made sure it got sunshine? Can I let you in on a little something? It's still a dead stick, amen? It's not going to grow. And you think, well, duh, but there's a lot, of Christian, a lot of folks sitting in our church pews. They've never been born again. They've come to church. They've heard a gospel message. They've heard, they've been around Christians. But they've never had spiritual life. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. If we're going to grow up in Christ, we first have to be born. So that's the first stage of a Christian, is a baby Christian. We have to be born. But secondly, we have to realize that it takes time. I remember the first garden that I put out. I, I tilled it and planted it and uh, put the fertilizer and everything on it, and I was ready to go eat tomatoes the next day. Uh, and I was a little disappointed in about a week. It hadn't even started coming up. And I told my grandfather, I said, I must have done something wrong. Nothing's coming up in my garden. He said, son, you've got to be patient. He said, the thing about a good garden, it takes time. It takes time to grow a garden. It takes time to grow a Christian. It takes time to grow an adult. The biggest secret to spiritual maturity is time. We have to spend the time. We're not going to grow up spiritually overnight. You know, when I go to the grocery store and I walk by the magazine aisle, 
Or in the, doc the doctor's office have these magazines too. Like the Men's Health magazine. I'd like to be that guy on front of a Men's Health magazine. He's got big muscular arms and he's got a six-pack stomach and he's ripped. He's I'd like to be that guy. My problem is I see the picture and I want to be that guy tomorrow. And you do one push-up and say, okay, is there a difference? Or we'll walk to the driveway and say, okay, have I lost there? We, we want it to happen now, don't we? We want to lose 40 pounds, but we want to lose 40 pounds overnight. We want to turn our flab into muscle, but we want to make that happen overnight. I want to be that guy tomorrow. We'll see a mature Christian. Somebody we, we I, I listen to preachers like Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley. They preach, and I think, man, I'd like to be a preacher like them one day. But you know what? The way they got to be a preacher like they are today is through a lifetime of walking with the Lord. Charles Stanley isn't all that Charles Stanley became, but Charles Stanley in 2020 isn't the same Charles Stanley that preached in 1977, right? He's had years of walking with Jesus. And sometimes we forget that. We forget the hard work that it takes you look at athletes like the Tennessee Titans, and you see these guys, and I'm just amazed at how, what kind of shape they're in, what their bodies look like. There's, there's not an ounce of fat on it, and then you realize they've spent a lifetime working for it. They're very conscious about what they eat, how much they exercise, what they put into their bodies. Uh, they're very, very careful. They're very, very disciplined. We're going to talk about that word in a little while, so you got that to look forward to. But it takes time. And a perfect case study of this is our writer, John, who wrote 1 John. We think of John in these tender words that he wrote, little children, young men, fathers. And we think of John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we call John the disciple of love. But John wrote his writings in the end of the first century. What we read of John in the Gospel of John and in the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we see the Father John. We see the mature John. John wasn't always this John. When you go back and look at young John or baby John, look at Mark 3, verse 17. Interestingly enough, Mark 3 and verse 17, when Jesus called his apostles, he gave some of them nicknames. And in Mark chapter 3, and about verse 13, he went up on the mountain, and that's Jesus, and called to him those who he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, you know what their nickname was? Jesus called them the sons of thunder. That was their nickname. Now why in the world would Jesus call that nice, kind, pleasant John? Why would Jesus call him the sons of thunder? Well, you remember how we said earlier that sometimes children are mean? 
And sometimes children are hateful. Let's look at this young John. John was mean and quick-tempered. He was selfish. Look at Mark chapter uh, 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Mark 10, 35. Then J James and John, that's the two brothers, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, they came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left, in your glory. In other words, we don't care about these other ten guys. We want the best seats. When you sit on your throne, we want to be number two and number three in your kingdom. Now, Lord, you're number one. But one of us, we want to sit on one hand. And, and we want to be, no, let John, me or John want to be number two. The other one wants to be number three. And this discussion got so strong. Look at verse 41. When the other ten heard about it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Just like a physical baby, young Christians are sometimes selfish. And John was. Look back a chapter to Mark chapter 9. John was also impatient and biased. John chapter 9, beginning at verse 38. Now John, that's our John we're talking about here, answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he, was not, he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is on our side. Jesus says, John, or John says, Jesus, I saw this guy casting out demons, but because he wasn't a Baptist like we are, he wasn't one of our group, I told him to stop. I told him to quit. You can't do that. You're not one of our group. He, John was impatient. John was biased. And one more thing about John. Look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Verse 51. Here's why the nickname Son of Thunder is so applicable. Luke chapter 9. Verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him, that's Jesus, to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Watch verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? There's those sons of thunder. Lord, let's call down fire. Lord, nuke them. These folks are terrible. That means, I tell you what we need to do, just obliterate them. That's the young John. That's the baby John. It took a lifetime of walking with Jesus for John to turn into the disciple of love. When we read the John in the Gospel of John, that was written when John was probably 85 years old. 
John does, doesn't even mention himself by name. Way back in the other Gospels when he was young, he wanted a chief seat in the kingdom. But when he writes his Gospel in John, he, does, he never refers to himself as John. He just says the disciple whom Jesus loves. And then when we read 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John over and over, John talks with a tone. He says, little children, do this. Kids, do that. John wasn't born that way. Just like children are not born being kind and mature, they have to be taught. John walked a lifetime. We're not going to be spiritually mature overnight. It took John a while. It'll take us a while. So first, we need to be born again. Second, we need to realize it takes time. Also, to grow, we need proper nourishment, don't we? If Dawson's going to grow up to be a healthy young man, he needs nourishment. He needs proper nourishment. 1 Peter 2, 2 says that as newborn babes, we should desire the sincere or the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. The Christian's nourishment comes from God's word. And can I say this? Too many of us get in God's word and we snack on it. We munch on it. We need to learn to feed on it. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15 verse 16, I saw the word of God and I ate it. And the words of God were sweet to me. We need to learn not only to just read God's word, we need to study about it. We need to think about it. We need to chew on it. Especially when we read those Old Testament passages we're reading in our daily Bible reading right now. There's a lot there to chew on. There's a lot that if we don't study it and dig things out, we won't understand it. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes nourishment with the right thing. We are feeding ourselves with the wrong things. What are you feeding your spirit? As a Christian, do you spend more time playing computer games than you do studying God's Word? Do we spend more time watching TV than we spend studying God's Word? I can be that way if I'm not careful. Do we get so busy living life that we forget to eat? Have you ever gotten so busy doing something you forget to physically eat? You get down to the end of the day and think, man, I haven't eaten. Sometimes we do that. Now, I usually go the other way out, but I eat lunch. I'm thinking about where we're going to eat supper. Uh, if we eat supper, where we're going to eat breakfast tomorrow. I, I'm trying to think ahead. You've you got to plan for things, you know. But we need to make sure we are feeding on God's Word and not just snacking, not just eating Happy Meals. You know, Happy Meals are good, but a full diet of Happy Meals will make one fat. It'll make one flabby. And it will not grow, cause us to grow up mature and strong. To grow, we need proper nourishment. We need God's word. We need fellowship with each other. You need to be around other Christians to grow up. Just like children need to be around other children to grow up. To learn to grow up. They help each other. They work together. They learn and they grow through things. Uh, we need to be around other adults. We need to be around people that help us grow. Spiritually, as Christians, we need to be around other Christians because we help one another grow. I can tell you, whatever it is you're going through, there's probably somebody in this church that's been through that before. Amen? And it helps to get around folks that have been through something before. 
when the pioneers would travel west, it's amazing how they do. I can't get from here to Fairview sometimes without getting lost if I get in some of those back roads. These pioneer people, they could go from Fairview, and they could go straight to a barn somewhere in Billings, Montana, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, with no GPS, no, they just go straight there without getting lost. But what novice settlers would do, novice pioneers, they would get with a wagon master that's been there before, right? And that wagon master would lead the wagon train <coughs> to wherever it is they were going. They got with somebody that had been there before. Can I tell you as a young Christian, can I tell you as a baby Christian, we need to find somebody that's been there before. We need to find someone who has walked where, we're walk, where we are walking. We need to find someone that's putting up with and has done what it is we're dealing with, and we need to learn to walk with them. We need fellowship with each other. We need prayer. We need nourishment. But not only do we need nourishment, look at Hebrews 5. There, there's a bad word in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. <coughs> Hebrews 5, 14, But solid food belongs to those of who are of full age, in other words, the mature. That is, those by reason of use have had their senses, now here goes the bad word, exercised to discern both good and evil. Not only to grow up do we need time and nourishment, we also need discipline. When we begin a physical exercise program, we have to get in shape, don't we? We have to, it takes discipline to get rid of the flab and turn it into muscle. This morning there's an awful lot of Christians who are spiritually flabby because they don't get any exercise. They're spiritually flabby because they don't have any spiritual discipline. What do I mean? There's an awful lot of Christians that the only thing they do spiritual all week long is to go to church on Sunday, and that's it. They don't, don't open their Bibles anymore. They don't pray anymore. They're not exercising. If the only exercise I get is going from my recliner to the kitchen table. I'm not going to get in shape very quickly, am I? Got to exercise. I got to have the discipline to exercise. And our bodies are against that. Because you know what happens? I'll make up, I'll say, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to go for a walk. You know what happens tomorrow when the alarm goes? I, now, the night before, I set my alarm for 5 o'clock. So I can get up and kind of get ready, get awake, and go walking at 5.30. You know what happens tomorrow at 5 o'clock when that alarm goes off? I'll have a headache. I'll feel bad. The wind's blowing outside. There's a cloud, you know, it might rain. I'll talk myself out of exercising. One part of me knows it's what I need to do. There's another part of me that knows that my favorite part of exercise is when it's over. It takes discipline. We have to get up. If I'm going to lose weight, if I'm going to get in spiritual or physical shape, I've got to discipline myself to exercise whether I feel like it or not. What about getting into God's Word? 
Tomorrow I'm going to start digging into God's Word. Tomorrow comes, and we have a business project that needs doing. There's a hamper full of dirty clothes. Need to vacuum. Need to cut the grass. Our bodies and our minds will talk us into a thousand different things we need to do to keep us from exercising spiritually. You know, we call going to church the service. We're going to service. We're going to the services. But can I tell you that real Christian services start when we leave here on Sunday morning? Real Christian service is what we do on the outside. When we begin to discipline our lives and we begin to really serve God, we're going to find out that we're going to grow in knowledge of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I discovered, and it's a crazy discovery, way back in another lifetime, for about a month, I worked for Centos Laundry Service. I decided I was going to get out of the restaurant business, and, and, and I spent my days carrying those big... Uh, Laundry bags full of dirty towels and dirty laundry and those different mats that say Centos and these different places. I'd go lift all those things. And after about a month, they cut a bunch of folks, and I was the last one. I was one of the new ones hired, so I was one of the first ones that was let go. And, but you know what I discovered? We got ready to move some furniture, and there was a table that it was always just so heavy it, well, I, I thought, man, I, I dreaded moving that table because it was so heavy. Well, I'd been carrying those big bags of laundry for a month. I didn't realize it. We got ready to move that table. And boy, I just, it's like I almost pitched it over because uh, it was lighter than it used to be. Well, it wasn't any lighter. It's the fact I had gotten in shape. I'd built some muscles. And that's what happens when we start exercising. Sometimes before we know it, we've started building some muscles. All of a sudden, some things in the Bible we haven't understood before, we start to understand it because we've exercised. We're maturing. We're getting older. We're getting disciplined. Well, what do we need to discipline ourselves to do? First of all, we need to discipline ourselves to obey and practice what we read and understand. Don't get so caught up in your Bible study about what you don't understand. There's going to be a lot in Scripture you don't understand. There's a lot in Scripture I don't understand. But what the Lord has taught me is the fact I don't need to worry so much about what I don't understand. What I need to worry about is doing what I do understand. Amen? Obey what I know I ought to be doing. Don't do those things I know I shouldn't do. And do those things I know I ought to be doing. I don't do so good with that sometimes. Not so much about what I don't understand it. I need to learn to do what I do understand. Also, discipline yourself to serve the Lord. Don't worry about what you can't do. Do you remember when you were a child? And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I can probably speak for most of us. When I was a little child, I couldn't wait till it was time to start school. And then I got old enough to go to school, and I couldn't wait to go what we would call today, we call then junior high, today it would be middle school. Couldn't wait till it's time to go to middle school. Then I couldn't wait till it was time to start dating. 
start shaving for a guy that first time they ever shaved. Y'all remember when y'all had like two hairs coming out of your chin? And you were so excited because it was time you were old enough now to shave. Always growing up, my grandfather had a safety razor, and I would shave with him, except he didn't let me have a blade. I just had a, I didn't know that's what I had. But I put my lather on like he would, and, and I shaved like he did. I was so excited when I finally got a blade because I had two hairs. <laughs> I'd gotten that old. And I couldn't wait till I was old enough to go on a date. And I couldn't wait till I got old enough to drive. And I couldn't wait till I got old enough to graduate. And I couldn't wait till I got old enough to go to college. And I couldn't wait till I was able to get married. And I couldn't wait till I had a good job. And I couldn't wait till I had kids. Can I tell you now when I'm 58, I wish time would slow down. Amen? So many times, even as spiritual children, we wish we could do this. We wish we could do that. Don't worry about what you can't do. And then we get old. And we say, we say well, I can't do what I used to do. I can't lift what I used to lift. I, I can't get up in the ceiling and crawl around up there anymore. I can't get up under the house and do that anymore. I can't dig anymore. I can't chop wood. We worry about what we can't do. Can I encourage you to discipline yourself to do what you can do? Work for the Lord where you can work for Him. And you know what you'll find out? What you're going to find out if you discipline yourself to start obeying what you understand, when you're faithful in that, the Lord and the Holy Spirit is going to open up your area of understanding. You'll get deeper. The Holy Spirit won't let you stop. He'll keep taking you where you're ready to go. And you know what happens when you start serving the Lord? Not worrying about what you can't do, but worrying about what you can do, all of a sudden when you become faithful, and when I become faithful in what I can't, what I can do, God will start opening up our opportunities to do more. So many churches, especially small churches, we say we're just a little church and we can't do this and we can't do that. Instead of focusing on what we can't do, are we faithful in carrying out what we can do? Y'all with me? Are we faithful in doing whatever it is we can do? And you know what I've got a feeling? I've got a feeling if we'll show God that we'll be faithful in what we can do, he'll start opening our areas of opportunity. If we're faithful in a little, he'll start leaving us with more. Little things lead to big things. So as we wrap this up this morning, are you a spiritual child? Are you at the point where you're just thankful that you're saved, you're glad you're saved? And you know what, that's a big step. That's a huge step because your eternity is settled. But don't stop there. Have you started down that road of spiritual maturity? Why not take a spiritual inventory? When I look at myself physically, I need to lose about 30 pounds. I need to take what's down here and move it up here. I've got the furniture disease. My chest has been filled in my drawers. <laughs> Some of y'all might be that way too. As we get older, gravity hits. I need to work and exercise to, to get it to move. I need to eat better. I need to exercise more. 
Those are physical. That's an inventory of my physical shape. And we start making a plan. If we want to get in shape, and we want to turn this flab and this fat into muscle, we make a plan how we're going to get there. And we make ourselves mile markers. It would be foolish of me to say, next Saturday I'm going to run in a marathon. But I'm not even sure I can walk to the mailbox without stopping right now. Amen? <laughs> but you know what you learn to do? I'm going to walk to the mailbox. And we start being faithful and walking to the mailbox. And then when we get to where we can walk to the mailbox, we'll increase. And we'll make another mile marker. And we'll another, take another mile marker. And before we know it, we'll be ready to walk every day. And maybe someday we could do a 6K, walk a 6K. Maybe someday I might not walk a marathon, but what if we walked a half marathon? And then you walk a half marathon and maybe you say, you know what? Maybe I can push and take it a little bit further. But it'd be foolish to me to let that mile marker or that marathon be my goal. But I can't get to the mailbox, Amen. Don't make it your goal as a Christian to have a perfect understanding of Revelation. It's amazing to me how many baby Christians want to start reading Revelation. Read John. Read the, if you want to strengthen your faith, read the Gospel of John. Learn, learn how Jesus lived. Learn how Jesus walked. And when you start patterning yourself after Jesus, set yourself your next mile marker and your next mile marker. And can I tell you this as we wrap up? Our goal is not for us someday to have our S on a chest, our chest that says super Christian. Our goal is to become like Jesus Christ. When we started this series, we said we want to learn to grow up in Christ. Jesus said in John 10 verses 25 to 30 that I and my Father am one. Jesus says, when you see me, you see my Father. When you see my Father, you see me. The word Christian means Christ-like. My goal for my life personally is to be like Christ. The goal for my ministry is for me to teach you how to be like Christ. Because when we become more like Christ, all of a sudden we're, we're going to become those fathers that John talked about and fathers reproduce. And we'll start seeing baby Christians in our church. Not because of some great outreach program. And there's nothing wrong with outreach programs. But sustained Christian growth comes when you and I reproduce the Jesus that's in our heart to the lost people. When we point them to Jesus, we bring them into our church. And just like little Dawson and other little ones that are coming in, we have to teach them how to act in church. A church I pastored, we would go and get uh, to the trailer parks and apartment complexes. We bring in three full-size vans of kids to our church services on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And we had about 45 kids and we had about six adults. And that got to be a, a really big headache. But one of the big complaints was from the adults, these kids don't know how to act in church. 
Well, guess what? They'd never been to church. So they'd never been taught. You know why grown-up people act like kids? Because they hadn't been taught, right? So I'm going to end with this question just like we started. Are you growing up in Christ? Are you as close to Jesus today as you were last month or last year? If not, what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us and thank you for John and his record of the different stages of spiritual growth and I pray you would lay on our heart this morning where we are in our relationship with you. And I pray that you would renew in our hearts our next steps, what we need to do to grow closer to you. For, for each of us, it's going to be something different. We're all at different places in our walk. But I pray you would help us be honest with ourselves and with you as to where we are, where we need to go, and how we need to get there. In Jesus' name, amen.